Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation. The gospel reading heard just a moment ago, Luke 14, 15 to 24, especially these words. Come, for everything is now ready. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I want you to try something. You don't have to do it today, but I want you to try something as you are visiting with family or friends. Maybe even want to ask yourself this question right here and right now. Ask people, what happens when you die? Simple question. Kind of a scary question. What happens when you die? You might be surprised at some of the reaction. Most people will say, well, you go to heaven. Isn't it amazing how people think about the afterlife? Sort of a human version of all dogs go to heaven. Doesn't matter what you believe. Doesn't matter how you live. Doesn't matter if you belong to a church or not. Or if that church is a Christian church or not. If you don't believe me, try it out. Just ask people. You'll be surprised. You'll be shocked. You might even be a little bit disappointed. A 2016 Pew Research survey shows that roughly 74% of Americans believe that when they die, they will go to heaven. Those numbers are almost exactly the same for people who go to church and for people who don't go to church. For people who are Christians and for people who are not Christians. When asked to describe what heaven is, the vast majority said, heaven is a place of eternal reward. If you live a good life, you are rewarded with heaven. It was also amazing that roughly half of that number believed in hell, a place of eternal punishment for naughty people, or really, really naughty people. Today, God's Word before us teaches us about heaven, not what it looks like, not clouds and angels and gold-lined streets. It talks about the reality of heaven and how to get there. The words are not politically correct that Jesus uses 
in this parable. His words might even be hard to hear. But his words are true. And if there is ever a time that this truth of God's word needs to be proclaimed, it is right here and right now. The bottom line of this parable, come for everything is now ready. Did you hear that? It is a gracious invitation and you are invited. Come for everything is now ready. How did we get to the point where Jesus is telling this parable? Well, a little bit earlier in Luke chapter 14, Jesus tells the parable of the wedding feast. He's teaching about humility. Big feast. People wanted to sit in the front row. Then they were told, no, there's somebody more important than you. You got to move back. So wait to be called up to the front. And the bottom line of that parable is, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. God's gift of humility overarching all that Jesus is teaching in Luke chapter 14. And then he goes on and he says, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. You hear that? The poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Jesus says, this is who you invite. And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Jesus is teaching this. Teaching this about the reality of this great banquet and the invitation that is going out. The reality of an eternal feast with God. God is not concerned about how we can repay Him. Who are the crippled, the lame, the poor, and the blind? You, me, the whole world. God prepares this banquet and the cost and the feast is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He sets the table. He prepares the banquet. His body crucified, His blood shed is the feast. Now one of the people who was listening to this parable got so excited at the teaching of Jesus and this is where our text begins right here one of those who was reclined at table with Jesus heard these things and he said to him blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God in other words 
Blessed are everyone who will go to heaven. Pretty hard to disagree with that, right? Heaven will be wonderful. An eternal feast in the presence of God. Blessed is everyone who will be in heaven. And Jesus responds with this parable primarily to the man and his exclamation about how great heaven will be, but by extension to everyone, including you and me. Jesus, in a sense, says, yeah, you're right. But not everyone goes to heaven. Jesus in this parable, teaches the harsh truth and the harsh reality. That even though the banquet table is set, even though the invitation goes out to everyone, not everyone goes to heaven. That's a very unpopular teaching. The scandal of particularity is what it is sometimes referred to. It is scandalous in our word, world that there is only one way to heaven. And that is through the bloody death and the glorious resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus. My friends, Jesus' parable today is not so much teaching us the one way of Christianity as opposed to all the other false ways and false religions that are out there. No. Jesus' words hit much closer to home. Jesus is talking to people who think they are religious, but in reality are far away from the kingdom of God. Jesus responds with this parable. He said to him, and the him is the man who said, oh, won't it be great when we all get to heaven? Jesus says to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. The table is set. The banquet is ready. Come and eat. We know what this is like, don't we? In our families, on those rare occasions when we actually get to eat together, when we get to sit down at a family meal, and maybe it's only a couple of times a year now in your family, but certainly there's at least a time or two throughout the year when you have a big family gathering. Oh, for the days when it was two or three times every day. But that's a different sermon. Come. It's supper time. Dinner is ready. Come and get it. And what do we hear? Uh-oh. I already ate. 
I'm not hungry right now. I'll fix myself something later. You know I don't like to eat that. Have you ever heard those kind of responses? I can tell by the looks on your face that I have hit pretty close to home. When you are the one that has made the meal, when you are the one that has slaved over a hot stove or a hot grill, how do you feel when somebody rejects your invitation? How do you feel when somebody turns up their nose at the food, the banquet feast that you have laid before them? It hurts. It's disappointing. Might even bring you to tears. You might respond with, I'm never going to make another meal for you again. You might come back with, okay, I'm done. Cook for yourself. Come and eat. The banquet is ready. Come, for everything is now ready. The invitation goes out. And how do people respond? Well, they got some pretty good excuses, I got to tell you. The first said to him, I bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Notice how polite they are. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Who would buy five yoke of oxen sight unseen? Maybe he ordered it off the internet. Please have me excused. Another said, I've married a wife. And therefore, I cannot come. I'm not even going to touch that one. <laughs> There's one thing in common with every one of these excuses. A field, oxen, wife. Every one of these excuses has to do with a regular part of living. Every one of these excuses is a part of our natural vocation. Our family, our livelihood, where we live and how we make a living. The regular things of life. These things are not bad. These things are not evil. These things are not corrupt. When these things become an excuse to keep you away from God and His Word and His house, then they become evil. Then they become an idol. Then they become a soul-destroying force. Jesus is teaching us that even the best of things, like our work, our family, our vocation, our home, all of these blessings from God, all of these things, 
if they become an excuse to keep us away from God's house, God's word, these things have the potential to take us to hell. My friends, hear the words of Jesus. Come, come, for everything is now ready. That is the overarching theme of this parable. Come, for everything is now ready. Stop making excuses. However good and valid those excuses are, they are nothing more than self-justification other than the justification that is won by the perfect life, obedient death, and glorious resurrection of Jesus for you. My friends, we're all guilty. Every one of us is guilty. We can come up with any and every excuse to stay away from God and His Word. We can be here physically in God's house and yet be far away from Christ and His Word. How? When our heart is full of hate or revenge or unloving attitude toward our neighbor or somebody else in this world. When we are consumed with the things of this world and our mind and our heart are focused on false gods, whether they be the false gods of our material wealth or the false gods of some political nirvana, We make excuses so easily that they don't even seem like excuses anymore. How does God feel about our excuses? The master of the house became angry. Verse 21. In the same way, that we become angry when someone spurns our invitation. God, who has given us His Son, God, who has given us the kingdom, Jesus, who has given us His lifeblood, He has set the table before us, forgiveness, life, and salvation. Come and eat, for everything is ready. And we we sometimes we more often than not spurn the invitation. So what does the master of the house do? He repeats the words from the previous parable. If the people who I have invited aren't interested, then go and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. In one sense, if you don't want the invitation, I'm going to keep extending this invitation out to others and to the whole world. But that's not primarily what's going on here. Who are the poor and the crippled, the blind and the lame? You. 
Me. We are so often rich in the stuff of this world and yet poor in spirit and poor in heart. We are beaten and broken and crippled and lame by our own actions and by the effects of sin in this world on us. We limp around. My friends, who are the blind? We are. We have become so blinded to the Word of God and the gift of Jesus Christ for us that everything else looks and sounds better. And so to you and me, the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, Jesus says, come. Come. For everything is now ready. Come, taste and see that the Lord is good. All of our false gods, all of our false dreams, all of these things that have let us down in the past are letting us down now and certainly will let us down for eternity. All of these things will fall away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. The word of the Lord that is forgiveness, life and salvation, even when we take the gifts of God and turn them into false idols. My friends, today, God is calling. God is inviting. This gospel call continues to go out till the end of time. God compels us to come. And how does God compel us to come? By preaching the repentance and forgiveness of sins, law and gospel, God compels us to daily die to our sin and rise to new life in Him. God compels us by the power of the gospel to eat and drink the very body and blood of Jesus, to gobble up His words because His words are life. My friends, it's true. Because of what Jesus has done for you and me and the entire world. Won't it be great when we get to heaven to see all those who have died in the faith that we long for right here and right now. Won't it be great to be in the very presence of God who has loved us and given His Son for us. Won't it be great to be in a place prepared by God where there's no tears, no sorrow, no pain, no suffering, no cancer, no heart disease, no dementia, no sin of any kind. Won't it be great? Yes. It will be great for all those who cling to the bloody death and glorious resurrection of Jesus. Jesus has these words for you today. And not only today, but every day.
for everything is now ready. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our lives in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Please stand now as we sing the offertory, creating me a clean heart, God, 192.